Oh, well, yeah, what a season, what a season that we're, uh, we're all going through. Goodness sake, I mean, you've got, and, and I, I don't, you know, I'm not intending to make sort of cheap shock comments, but, you know, we've got everything that we have got going on in politics on, on the one side and really genuinely important question about integrity. And then we've got the Queen's ascension to the throne that we're celebrating 70 years you know, we've got the contrast of the picture of the Queen at the Duke of Edinburgh's funeral. We've got, you know, then other pictures. And, uh, you know, I'm being real. I said to someone this week, and I had to, you know, none, I don't, well, forgive me. Some of you may be able to genuinely say, hand on heart, you obeyed the letter and the spirit of every one of the restrictions. I can't. So I'm not throwing stones at anybody else for some of those, for some of those things. But, there are questions about integrity, aren't there? there are questions about truthfulness. There's questions about, you know, if you're asked a straight question. And I say we've got these contrasts going on. And, and we're in this series about, at the beginning of the year, thinking about our priorities. We're not really doing resolutions, but we are thinking about priorities. There's a picture just going up now. New season, new priorities. And um, the priorities, the question about priorities has been amplified, I think, hasn't it, by by COVID-19, as I've just said, and by the contrast that, that we see. Um, a guy called Stephen Covey, who some of us may have read some of the things that he writes about doing life wisely, says, most of us spend too much time on what is urgent and not enough on what is important. Johann Wolfgang von Goethe, Goethe sorry, said, things which matter most should never be at the mercy of things which matter least. Things which matter most should never be at the mercy of things which matter the least. And I just would make some comment that I'm not certain that everyone's remembering that at the moment. Boy, do we need to pray for those who are involved in political life. Thank the Lord that there are good Christian people who are called into representative roles. And maybe you're here tonight and uh, tonight, today, and you, you know, you have a sense of wanting to see change. Well, don't just throw stones to use the jargon. Be the change. You're called into politics. You're called into public life. You're called into leadership roles. Let's be the change. This question about priorities for us in Trinity Speak connects. Uh, there are other great providers available around the town. But for us at Trinity, something that flavours us is this question about a rule of life, a question about the framework of habits that, that we have. Keeping God at the centre of everything is, is our heart and our desire. And we, we keep saying, don't we, and keep reminding, and I'm just going to keep doing it, we already have a framework of life. There's already habits that we have. We're creatures of habits. Question is, are those habits keeping God at the centre of everything? Are those habits having healthy fruit is the question. Hope you also know that, of course, this question about priorities links to who we are, our mission purpose as a church, making committed followers of Jesus who change communities and nations for him. Our values who we're called to be, the nature of our, the experience that you would have of being part of this church family. And of course, yes, our all-ins, which we, we know God will be changing. We know our vision is evolving. We, we're looking for the new picture that the Lord is, is bringing to us. But at the moment, we have our three all-ins with God, with each other, 
for the world that are shaping our priorities here as a church family. Hopefully you know that we're using a couple of prompts, aren't we, to try and get into this. We've got uh, Jesus' great uh, response to the question, what are the greatest commandments? And he said the first, and we were focusing on this through January. Hope you were with us online or in person. Hello online. Um, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and mind. We notice that the word and tells us in the Greek these are not quite the same thing. They're they're dynamics, they're overlapping circles of three different perspectives of what it means to be fully human. Last Sunday we had the gift of James Aladdin with us, focusing us on the fact that to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind is obviously not just an earthly question. It's not got just earthly dynamics to it. It's got a spiritual dynamic to it. The gift of God is the gift of the Spirit, the Bible teaches into us, to, you know, to, to, to bring us alive to the Holy Spirit. And so as James was saying, and we were focusing on, on prayer, weren't we, as the gift that God gives to every single Christian, the gift of prayer, the gift that enables us to connect spirit with spirit, heart with heart, soul with soul, mind with mind. And I, have you been praying this week, in, this week in a different way? I, I have. I have. I loved how James said and reminded of, of, of it's all, we're always reminding of simple truths, but the simple truth that we don't see things on earth. We don't see things changing necessarily on earth, but that doesn't mean that there isn't change happening in the spiritual realm. And, and James talked about those times when we're praying, we've all got the t-shirt, where nothing seems to be happening, and yet in the spiritual realm, there's a stacking up of prayer. That, that's inspired me this week in some of my harder moments to, to pray. James was saying, wasn't he, the crunch about this loving the Lord our God with all our heart and soul and mind is do we have that desire? Do we have that passion? Which will be expressed in some practical ways. I love the fact that James, who's got a number of small children, was asked the question, do you have a saint as a wife? And the answer was yes. Gets up in the middle of the night to pray and spends time in prayer. If anyone could pray for me to have the gift of being a morning person, I'd love it so much. Here we are, first bit of February challenged by rugby results in a big way. So we're going to focus on loving our neighbours. Today I want to speak about loving Scotland and all those who come from Scotland. <laughs> what, is it, what does it mean to love our neighbour as, our, as ourself? That's what we're going to talk about. And I want to talk about, about friendship. Just a, a note that next the two weeks we've got on this, Hills next week will do perhaps some of the more sort of kind of outworking stuff. I want to talk about foundations. And then our last two before we get to the beginning of Lent and we turn our eyes towards Easter and the cross, uh, we're going to be looking at Jesus' great commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. Nations? Nations. Um, And in our language at Trinity, what does it mean to have green space in our lives where the sort of yellow of faith and the blue of the world out there mix and mingle and we speak Jesus and live Jesus 
just a heads up actually that during Lent and on the journey to Easter, we're going to be tracking through the book of Luke and the meals that Jesus had, inviting people to the table and what the the table fellowship that Jesus practiced tells us about him, tells us about God and tells us about the things of the kingdom of heaven, sharing the good news with others. So look forward to that. I have a sense that today is going to be a bit painful for some of us as I speak about friendship. Nikki often challenges me that apparently um, I have best friends that I never speak to. She sees a gap. I'd be amazed if we don't all feel a bit of a gap between uh, the desires that we would have personally and our experience, the the values that we say that we have as a church family when it comes to this business of friendship and loving each other, and the reality. I want to be real about the gaps, and I know that for some that's going to be, as I say, that's really going to cut quite deep. I want to be real because in being real about these gaps, then we can enable and allow and encourage and invite God to do his work in us. You see, even in in human terms, this thing of friendship, which we would all probably agree is fundamental to being human, fundamental to our well-being, is actually a bit of a puzzle. I was reading a a BBC article that was talking about this. Evolutionary biologists um, talk about friendship perhaps being about reciprocal um, altruism. In other words, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. But then social psychologists say, yeah, but the problem is we don't really keep ledgers, do we? Or we certainly know that keeping ledgers of the you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours isn't really the fundamental nature of friendship. Philosophers have spoken about perhaps it's about similarity. Plato said, similarity begets friendship. Others observe in the animal kingdom, is friendship about influence in the pack? Is friendship about practical support in anticipation of conflict? And then we see there's a problem. We know there's a problem, as, as one newspaper, The Independent, described it, and epidemic of loneliness. There's an epidemic of loneliness, which COVID has, as with so many other things as I've alluded to, has just focused us even more sharply on the the divides that there there are. Increasing numbers in, in surveys say that they only have one or no close friends at all. Some of us here today have no close friends. Even in the midst of a bunch of people who I think are quite good, I think we're quite good at at welcome, I'm just challenged myself about where we are as a church family, about the true bonds of hosting and friendship and sharing life. I know even in this building, it may have already happened, and I'm so sorry if it has, it's, 
because so many of us don't know each other well that we miss names, that, that you could be new here today and we think you've been coming to Trinity for 20 years and you haven't. Perhaps you're here today or you're watching online and you've had a, a welcome two, three, four times, but has anyone invited you around? Has anyone shared life with you? Has anyone said... You, you hear about life groups. You know that some people find it quite easy. They, they kind of know how it works in order to join a church family, a community like this, and get into a, a life group. But for you, that's not your experience. Practical factors coming into play. You've got young kids. You're not a two-point, whatever it is now, family. You doesn't just work. You work shifts. There's a, there's a paradox, isn't there? We are, to quote one commentator, the most socially conscious generation, but we are the least socially attached. Tons of friends on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, whatever I don't know about that's coming down the road, but no real friends. We've found friendships hard to make. We've been let down by others. Even now the tears are starting to well a little bit inside of us because how we feel that our church family has treated us. We feel drained by the friends that we do have. They just only really seem to want you know, something from us the whole time. We dare not ask the, answer the question, how are you? If you're a sophisticated person, whether you're neurotypical or neurodiverse, you've learned the correct answer in a Christian family is to go just a little bit further than fine, thank you. You know you've heard so many talks about don't answer the question, how are you, with fine, thank you, that you just have discovered that what you do is just share a little bit, oh, up and down. Battles and blessings. <laughs> Heard that from a preacher once. Some of us are very good. Andrew, why do you never ever see Mark, who's meant to be your best friend? Friends, I've got some good news, I believe. That if we can be real about this, if we can recognise that we are at a cultural moment, we are at a, a time in history when actually we can come out of this pandemic with, with new commitments and new desires, that we can take the opportunity to be real with each other, that God will work in that vulnerability, God will work in that integrity, God will work in that honesty. That's his promise. I pray that that is also a common experience for many. If we look at, look at Scripture, let's turn to Scripture. Let's just for a moment hone in on some verses from Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. You may want to turn them up. They're going to be on the screen as you can see. But you might just want to have it in front of you. You know, by the way, why it matters to have paper Bibles as often as it does electronic. Because in a paper Bible, you see what comes before. And in a paper Bible, you see what comes after. Actually, I know that can happen with the scrolling. 
but in fact, ha- holding a, the word of God in your hands at least some of the time really matters. But let's just focus in. Here's a framework. Here's Paul, who spoke a lot about the nature of friendship and the nature of community, speaking to one of the early Christian communities in their cultural moment. He, he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. We'll leave those words just up for a moment. These these words are so often in Paul's letters, he constructs his letters I hope at home you are able to cope with just hearing my voice. It's better than seeing me, I can promise you. Um, There are two themes here. There is a koinonia, to use the Greek. There's There's a fellowship and a partnership that is being expressed by Paul to the Philippians. And he'll pick this theme up as he does in his letter, right the way through the the letter of Philippians. Which is connected with phrenosis like-mindedness. There's a a partnership and a fellowship and a quality that is connected to a like-mindedness, to a shared understanding. And in the ancient world, in the Greek, it was a, a shared understanding that led into practical action, a wisdom that leads into action. He's, he's spoken already about giving and receiving. So there is a, a, there's an aspect in this, in this connection between the, the depth of their koinonia, their fellowship, their friendship that, that he's already experienced because of the phrenosis, the, the, the like-mindedness, the shared understanding that has already expressed itself in giving and receiving. But it's more. It's more than just that Philippians 3.10, he says, I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Karis is going to speak about this at the seminar this afternoon if you want to find out more. But the bottom line is, if you want to love others as yourself, you need to think about what kind of self you're loving. We are loving others out of a sense of our own identity, our own self. If you don't like yourself very much, what do you think that's going to feel like when you share it with others? If you feel quite self-sufficient, sorted, not loving God with all your heart and soul and mind, That's what you're going to overflow with to others. You see, we will attend to the practical outworkings of the wisdom that comes through being in relation in Christ. But that's not the place to start. 
I, I hope that we will welcome many more people to our table. I, I, I really pray that we will practice the ways of hospitality and the ways of Jesus in that way. But I'm not going to start, we're not starting with a talk on the six ways to connect with your neighbour. I do get uh, some stuff from one great writer, Kerry Newhoff. Apologies if you're watching, Kerry. I know you follow me closely. And there are always seven things to do before breakfast. (laughs) Ten ways to improve your leadership. There's gold in them somewhere. But I'm not doing that with this business of friendship. I'm not saying to you, as I focus the chasm, as I see the gap in my own life when it comes to this business of loving others as I love myself, as as reflecting what Jesus says, I'm not starting with technique. I'm, I'm starting with heart. I'm saying it flows out of, do I love God with all my heart and soul and mind? As, as Paul says, do I have a sense of what Christ has already begun in me? Is my focus the cross and the resurrection? Am I an amazing friend to others? Because I'm so filled with the love of God, with the, the affection of God, the kindness of God. I can't but overflow with it. To others. Jesus said, doesn't he? It's the, the, the bar is kind of so high or the hope is so great. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. God calls me a friend. God calls you a friend. You have at least one good, perfect, pure friend. For everything that I learned, said Jesus, from my Father, I've made known to you. God is Trinity, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. God is a communion of friendship, of relationship. We're made in God's image. We're made in the image of the one who is perfect communion, perfect friendship, which overflows into creation and into us. In Genesis, it's all plural. Let us make man, men and women, in our image. Abraham in the Old Testament is God's friend. God meets with Moses as a friend. Jesus calls us friends. Sin divides. Sin tells us that God isn't interested in us. Sin tells us that somehow God doesn't want to be your friend when the Spirit says yes, 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 yes I do. I am the fierce God. I'm the God who came and died on the cross for you. When we're filled with this, friends, when we as Trinity, and if you're here joining us from other churches, in your church, if we get about this business of being filled with the love of God, being real with each other, coming to this in a moment, about the now and not yetness, but we face it, we recognize it, then, then, then everything changes because Jesus also said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The outward focus is always there. My command is this, said Jesus, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that you lay down your life for your friends. 
again, as I've said, next week or with Karis, if you want to explore some of the sort of practical outworkings. But there's sacrifice, isn't there? Reflecting the sacrifice of God to us in true friendship. But if you don't want to be in the business of saying, I've done this much for you, so I'm seeing you're not doing enough for me. That's contract thinking, as you've heard me say. That's why some marriages really struggle, because they have a contract way of thinking. We're a covenant people, a covenant people, for better, for worse, in richer, uh, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer. You know what I'm trying to get at. Yeah? Covenant people. So here's an image. This is the point today. If you want to be good friends with others, if you need good friends, it begins, it begins with your friendship, your sense of friendship with God. How much do you love yourself? Look, we all know there's a wrong way of loving yourself. But there's an appropriate right way that flows out of the cross. That you are, you're a princess as a woman here. You're loved by the Most High. In a world full of misogyny, in a world where women can't walk safely down streets, in a world where there's just so much rubbish, you are loved by God. In a world where relationships, marriages, etc. break down for so many reasons, so many reasons. Are you walking in God's grace, in God's mercy? You're not alone. You're not alone. Think about your friendships. Is the truth that you're, are you a good friend? <laughs> Am I a good friend? If I'm not secure in myself, if I'm not secure in my own identity, in relationship with God, I'm going to not be a great friend to you, am I? I'm really not. Psalm 27.9, a good, a sweet friendship refreshes the soul. A sweet friendship refreshes the soul. Let's just go back to that passage and just notice a couple of book endings that are in it from Philippians. Do you notice where Paul starts? I thank God. That's always the direction, always the focus for wisdom and understanding. And do you see how he finishes completion? Oh, you can't see it, can you? Until the day of Christ Jesus. That's my fault. So it says it finishes until the day of Christ Jesus. There's a book ending. Because there's an 
future perspective in what Paul is saying. Eschatological. Thinking about what is to come. Living in the light of the end. The good news is we are all work in progress. We're all in the now and the not yet of the kingdom. But we are to live in the light of the end. That's why we're talking about priorities. I love, I love the quote, an anonymous quote. A true friend is someone who overlooks your broken fence and admires the flowers in your garden. A true friend overlooks the broken fence and admires the flowers. We live in messiness. We live with the impacts of sin. Every single one of us, a work in progress. But are we beginning with thanking God, looking to God, or are we letting social media dictate and tell us what true friendship is like? Is the Bible our source for wisdom? And then are we enjoying the fact that Jesus will come? God is at work. He will complete what he has started. Paul is full, isn't he? Let's just put the words up one last time. He's full of prayerful joy. He's looking in a, in a tough place. It, it probably commentators saying he's having to remind them about Jesus' return. He repeats it in the letter a number of times, this eschatological perspective, because has he, have they sort of forgotten about living in the light, the light of the end? But he's seeing the flowers. He's full of prayerful joy. There's consistency. When you heard it read, you noticed the all, the every, the always. There's consistency, and consistency builds trust. There's a gospel focus, an outward focus, sharing God's work until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's just do a bit of business with God. Why don't we just remain seated just a moment. I'll invite you to stand in just a moment because we may want to pray in that way as well. But let's, every one of us, attend to the Holy Spirit. It's one of our values as a church, rooted in Scripture, being attentive to the Spirit. Let's be attentive. Holy Spirit. I'm guessing that we've got lots of starting points for whatever, whatever prayers we might be making in this moment. Some of us just maybe having to process a bit of pain and actually there's a, there's a, a release. Holy Spirit, as you come, we can be real with you, God. If we're lonely, we come to you, God, the one who died on the cross for us, the one who rose and lives again and gives the gift of life, the gift of the Spirit, says, I call you my friend. So for those who are lonely, Holy Spirit, would you come now 
give a sense of this invitation of friendship to you, with you. And there's a bunch of us, God, who are dealing with the the impact of brokenness and the impact of sin. We've been let down. We've let others down. Holy Spirit, come. Mercy and grace. Forgiveness. Forgiving ourselves. Forgiving others. We say this as a church family where where we've let people down unintentionally or frankly with a cold heart. We say we want this to be a family built completely on Jesus, around Jesus. And that means, Holy Spirit, we need your help to be a loving, caring, consistent friend to so many. We pray, God, as we share who you are and so who we are with others. Help us to be living out of relationship with you, God, in our workplaces, (coughs) at the school gates, on the streets. with neighbours. Online. May we be sweet friends to others. This is a spiritual work. It's not an earthly work. Holy Spirit of God, the power of God, come now and rest on your people in this building at home. The power of God, Holy Spirit, come. We need you. We can't do any of this in our own strength. But only you, God. 
where things need to be changed, where healing needs to happen, where restoration and reconciliation of relationships needs to happen, where we need to see ourselves in a different way, where we need to look in the mirror and see your smile, Jesus. Holy Spirit, this is your work, come. Come, Holy Spirit, we ask.